Tonight's reading is Psalm 67, which you'll find starts on page 581 of the Church Bibles. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pippa, very much indeed for reading God's word to us. Uh, I trust our Bibles are indeed now still open at Psalm 67. If... uh, for any reason they aren't, I'm afraid I've forgotten the page number, so uh, I hope <laughs> So let us bow our heads and pray together. Father, we thank you so much for giving us your holy word, and we pray that as we consider it tonight, your Holy Spirit will carry it home. Pray that all that is of you might be remembered and lodged in our mind. And we pray that you would remove from us anything that is not of you tonight. And grant, Lord Jesus, that we may come to know you better and serve you with all our hearts. For for your name's sake, amen. Well, you may be aware that this is the last of uh, the series of Psalms for Summer. I suppose we could say that uh, this evening's title could be the last of the summer psalms. <laughs> Not wine, as that tedious television program has it. Now, this psalm is pretty short. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it before coming here tonight. Uh, and if you wondered, well, that doesn't seem to be that much in that. I wonder what he's going to make of it. In which case, let me say, so do I. <laughs> it is a short psalm. However, I have to tell you this, if you're thinking, oh great, will it be over in seven minutes? Um, I have to tell you that the more you look into this psalm, the more you discover in it. And, um, well, we'll see how we get on. Now, I've got three headings. The blessing on God's people. Second, the inclusion of the Gentiles. And third, the demonstration of God's power. So, first of all, the blessing of God's people. Verses 1 and 2. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Oh, dear friends, that is not the passage I'm trying to read. I think you're going to give me the sack in no time at all. I wonder whether we could just get the Bible open. Now, somebody tell me that page number, please. 
thank you very much. Right, okay. So, the blessing of God's people, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Now, the first thing to get hold of is that uh, the psalmist is talking about God's people here. When it says us, he is speaking of what applies to true believers. Uh, so he says that in verse 1, gracious to us and bless us, uh, and he says it too later on. Uh, and the word us just makes it really personal for us so that we can see that this is applying directly to us. In his day, in the psalmist's day, of course, it meant the people of Israel. But in our day, uh, it means all those in Christ, all those who have faith in him. And if we have faith in him, then it is our privilege to live under God's gracious favor and blessing. Bless, of course, is a word which to some extent uh, has rather lost its meaning. I mean, it can be used for an expression of sort of general goodwill. You know, I do hope that uh, you have a great week. Bless you. I mean, it sounds lovely, doesn't it? It is, in a sense, uh, certainly much more lovely than the pseudo-priestly so-called blessing. May God bless you, my son. Oh, dreadful. Well, I don't think we speak to one another in, the, in that way, so uh, we can move on. But uh, this little phrase, bless you, which uh, is so often used as a greeting, it is in fact directly relating to God's rescue plan, given to those who do not deserve it. It describes the reversal of the curse, which came on mankind when Adam and Eve rebelled. You remember that uh, they began life in fellowship with, the, uh, with God the Father, but within a short time, they had been thrown out of the garden. And for many chapters of Genesis, or so rather long chapters, not very many chapters, up to chapter uh, 11, the only people that God was really relating to were, with one or two very bright exceptions, uh, were people who were under God's curse. But with Abraham, God makes a new beginning. He called Abraham to leave his home and go to another land. Genesis 12. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Well I guess we heard the number of times that the word blessing came there. And uh, it is specifically talking about this complete new beginning by which God would grant 
forgiveness and new life uh, to the people of Abraham's family and uh, how God's rescue plan would be launched. The rescue plan removes the curse and replaces it with God's blessing so that now we live under his blessing. As it says in Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And that's really what God's grace means. His undeserved love poured out upon us. Uh, it's often been put this way, if you like mnemonics. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's not a bad definition of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. And the emphasis in this verse, uh, the first verse really, verse 1 of Psalm 67, the emphasis in this verse is on abundance. The abundance of God's grace. God's grace poured out to enable us to live for him in our lives. God's grace poured out upon us in Christ. His grace in action. His undeserved goodness and mercy, love and forgiveness. And I don't know whether it struck you, but uh, you notice that it says, um, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. We're still in verse 1. Make his face to shine upon us. That's a lovely expression, isn't it? To shine, Lord's face shining upon us. But how do we know? I mean, how, why can he say that? And, and, and how could we say that God's uh, face shines uh, upon us? After all, uh, God was, was very much determined that his face should not be seen. You remember uh, of uh, Moses? Moses very much wanted to see God's glory. Now, Lord, show me your glory. And uh, God said to Moses that he could go and hide himself in the cleft of a rock and that when God passed by, then uh, it would be possible for Moses to see something of the trail he left behind or uh, of uh, to his his back um, they'd be able to see that but my face must not be seen he said so uh, God's face is not something that God has um, been keen that people should see so how can we actually talk about us having God's God's uh, grace and goodness and that meaning his face shining on us well, the answer really simply is exactly that. That it is uh, that God's face shines upon us because of the Bible doc doctrine of justification by, by faith. In other words, us being put right with God, forgiven, given new grace and new life in Christ because of what Christ has done. It is because of what Christ has done that we can be sure, we can look up to heaven and we can be sure that the Lord's face smiles at us. What a wonderful thing, because we know, do we not? We don't always deserve that. Quite the contrary. 
we all too easily land up getting uh, depressed, discouraged, or whatever it may be, uh, and instead of the joy that should flood our hearts, instead we find ourselves uh, finding life difficult and tough when we could have been trusting him. I don't know if you're ever like that. I'm afraid I am. So, we know his grace because of the abundance of the blessings that he has given to us. And here I want to read that verse that I nearly read at the beginning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's lovely, isn't it? There's nothing mean or miserly about the grace of God. It is literally poured out upon us. I mean, an abundance. Uh, I mean, for example, it might be that uh, you have a favorite jug at home. And, uh, uh, no, press that one, won't work. No, instead, we, we'll, we'll go to a swimming pool or the seaside. I don't know how many have been to the seaside this summer. And it's been absolutely terrific to have all this water. And then someone's filled up a great big jug and decided that we haven't got enough water. And so poured more water over us in abundance. So it is about God's grace. It is given abundantly. Uh, and beyond that also uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So this abundance of grace is a powerful demonstration of his ways. That's what it says there in verse 2. So that your ways, this is, uh, he's praying that the Lord will uh, make his face to shine and so forth. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation throughout among all generations. So, uh, so it's a tremendous promise. Uh, and it is, the, the writer is wanting this to be made known to uh, those on earth, so that your ways may be known on earth. What is it necessary then to happen according to verses 1 and 2 to make God's ways known upon earth? What needs to be done? Well, the answer is that if our psalmist friend's prayer is answered, then God's blessing will be so abundant and his uh, face will shine so brightly that other people will not help being able to see the the reality of the blessing of God's people. They won't be able to just sort of write it off because of the way in which God has demonstrated his love. So abundant grace, the blessing of God's people. Secondly, the inclusion of the nations. Now verses 3 to 5 May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule over the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. 
May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Did you notice, incidentally, that uh, the verse 3 is exactly the same as verse 5? Uh, the verse 5 is simply a repetition of verse 3. And we need to try and get into exactly what's happening in this part of the psalm. This is the heart of it, after all. This is the very center of it. We sometimes give the impression that God really doesn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. As far as uh, he's concerned, they can go and get lost. But let me assure you, that is not so. After all, God has saved you and me, if we're Christian believers. Therefore, we know that God is very concerned for the Gentiles. He wants the gospel to get out among all of the peoples or Gentiles. So if you look at verse 2, verse 2 has said that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations, among all nations. That's the aim. It reminds us, doesn't it, of how the Lord Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples. Well, here is a very similar statement uh, about God's concern for all the nations. Your ways known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Then verse 3. Verse 3 and 5 both refer to the peoples. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. And then verse 4. What does verse 4 do? Well, that tells us again how concerned God is for the unbelievers in the world. For it says in verse 4, May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity. So the heart of the psalm is telling us that God is concerned for the Gentiles. And he wants his people also to be concerned for them, that we may seek to get the gospel to those who are part of our non-Christian world. Uh, and these two verses, verse 3 and verse 5, they, they, they rather stand there like, like those two pillars there at the back. Well, they're, not, they're not sure they are pillars exactly, but uh, just where we come into the auditorium there. Um, uh, and there they stand, like, uh, like two identical pillars, just as uh, before verse 4 and after it stand the two identical pillars of... Uh, being people of praise. And so the people praise in verse 3, if he is referring to the Gentiles, and this is quite difficult in a way to decide exactly who is he referring to here. It says the nations. The desire is that the nations should actually have joy and not uh, themselves disregard Christian believers, nor be themselves disregarded. No, on the contrary, his desire is that they should be glad and sing for joy, verse 4, praise you God, verse 3, may all the peoples praise you, verse 5. Uh, that is God's desire for them. And left and right stand there, those two pillars. 
And they make the point also that God's concern for his people, uh, God's concern for the people is reflected in the way in which um, uh, they will sing for joy uh, because the, they will be ruled with equity. So may the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples with equity. Uh, so God, in other words, is a good ruler. His judgment is fair and right and uh, it is good for the nations that they should be able to enjoy the presence and power of God. I mean, that is the best possible thing for the nations. Uh, it's difficult, I think, to uh, decide where one might begin if um, <clears throat> making a, 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 an application of this. But any nation that shuts God out will be miserable because they're shutting out both God himself and, uh, the, and the principles of equitable justice. For a nation to be happy, uh, they need to know that justice is equitable and right. And I mean, I think we've got some concerns, haven't we? I'm not going to go into this, but I gather now that the barristers are all going on strike. What hope is there going to be for equitable judgment if there aren't people there to present their case? So, you know, these things have bring with them big problems. How can the current crises be solved? Only, only by prayer, quite honestly. Only as we pray for a change of heart, for men and women of peace, for those who will seek the peace and the good of the nation rather than uh, their own selfish enjoyment. So, verse 4 again, May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. There's a lovely line as well there to uh, the, the promise of guidance. Guidance will be given to those people if they turn to God. Then they will share in his guidance and uh, that will bring them a great deal of joy. So abundant blessing and then uh, the nations praising the Lord and then thirdly the future certainty uh, of the peoples, uh, I should put it this way really, the blessing of God's people, the inclusion of the Gentiles, and the future certainty uh, and demonstration of all God's powers. So what is demonstrating God's power? Well, it is the blessing, the victorious blessing in verses 6 and 7. May the, la the land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. And he's saying there that he's seen this demonstrated in the harvest. It's there for everyone to see. Uh, and it shows God's blessing and mercy because we are dependent upon him for what happens with harvest. It is a slightly confusing that verse because the tenses differ in the translations. 
So, uh, just looking at the NIV and the ESV, the English Standard Version, in verse 6, the NIV has the land yields its harvest, but NIV, I'm sorry, but the uh, ESV has the land has yielded, past tense, has yielded. Then uh, the ESV has our God shall bless, when this one has God, our God blesses us. So this one's present uh, in, present in uh, NIV and future in ESV. And I think that the point is not that we get too worked up about this and the whole thing is so complicated that really we don't, can't sort it out. And I must say that knowing no Hebrew, I can't myself make a judgment on it. Uh, but I do think that both are true. You can uh, present a, a, a good uh, argument and demonstration for these, these uh, things to be true, to be future. Whether they may be future or past, they still are true. So I want to say that it is all to do with the uh, um, abundant promise of God's blessing. May God bless us still, he says. Uh, God, our God, blesses us. So here is a word for the peoples of whom he has spoken earlier. Those who fear him. Those who uh, may be indeed communities of Gentiles, but who are beginning to wake up and to uh, join in the praise. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. The land yields its harvest. So then at the end of that verse, the final line, has so that the ends of the earth will fear him. So that they will come, we will come to the Lord with reverence, respect, and turning to him in repentance. It shows who really does belong to him, who really is praising his name. Uh, it demonstrates the fact, if they're Christian believers, that they are uh, genuine God's people. So God's mercy to the Old Testament people in the harvest demonstrates the power in the gospel by which he assures us of the future. His undeserved love assures them of future blessing. Verse 6, just one more time. God, our God, blesses us, or will bless us. And verse 7, may God bless us still, or God continues to bless us. And this gives us certainty for the future. I mean, that's really where the psalm lands up. After looking at the, uh, the, the goodness and mercy of God, in the uh, harvest so for the future that brings certainty the Lord provided last year he will provide for this year we can be sure the Lord provided in the harvest we can be sure that he will do the much greater work which is to bring us all the assurance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ he is uh, 
our certainty, he is our guarantee, he is the one we trust. And the harvest just reminds us to do that and to rejoice in God's provision. So I'm coming to an end uh, and I just want to read one more verse regarding uh, God's goodness and kindness. It comes from Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24 says this the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace let's bow our heads and pray Lord Jesus we thank you so much for the wonder of your blessing totally undeserved, but freely given in Christ to all who are true believers. And so you've given your gracious blessing to us, and we praise you for it. We thank you for this wonderful fact that you make your face to shine on us, uh, and that even now, this evening, as we meet together, you look down upon us with joy and gladness. O oh Lord, we do pray that you would so work in our hearts that we might always bring joy to you. And we thank you that you make your face to shine on us and be gracious to us. And then the final line, the Lord give his, turn his face toward you and give you his peace. O oh Lord, maybe tonight we have, we're aware of some struggles and uh, difficulties. We ask that you would give us your grace so to trust you that you give your peace with your face turned toward us for jesus sake amen <laughs>